welcome to this week's 19th edition of Let's Have a Breakdown with me, Ali Monjack. And me, Harry Acton. And Ali. Oh, well, we're both talking at the same time. What a good start. How are you, Ali? I'm good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I am good. It, it's been a, a positive week in some ways. Um, in some with, ways? Yeah. 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 With more vaccines on the horizon. I think that's, you know, good, isn't it? It's Exciting. always positive. Yeah, no, it has been. I mean, and to all our listeners, sorry we are um, a week late. I was not particularly well last week, so we were unable to record the podcast. Um, but, you know, we'll try and make up for it this week. Uh, so apologies, my bad, on that one. But, oh, don't yeah. be silly, Harry. You know, sometimes you just really needed a break as well, didn't you? I mean, you've been flat out in the news. It had room. been a long it had been a very long stint. Yes, you're not wrong there, Ali. Um, but going back to, to this week's news, yeah, you're right. Vaccines are looking extremely positive, I would vaccines say. Vaccines plenty. Yeah, Novavax is the fourth COVID vaccine that could be approved here in the UK is being assessed by the MHRA. And also Johnson & Johnson's vaccine is looking like it could be a big contender with only needing one dose. So it's all very, very exciting. Yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it, though, that they're saying that it would only be one dose as well? Yes, it is interesting. And I think it's about 89% effective as well. That might be that might be for the Novavax, actually. All these per- percentages are just getting in my head at the moment. But it is all looking very promising. And it, I think it's specifically good news for countries with lower incomes that maybe can't afford multiple doses. So this could be a real game changer globally, which is all very, very exciting. Um, but, you know, this wasn't without um, some controversy this week, was it, Ali, when um, the EU didn't throw a tantrum, but there was a certain mm, what do I, immaturity amongst us in the EU this week. I think that's probably a good way of putting it. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that's an exceptionally good way of putting it. I mean, it, it, it was a little bit, it's been termed as a little bit of a fiasco, shall we say. Um, and I don't think the World Health Organization were any too pleased about what was going on in there as well. So, um, you know, and unfortunately, people like Ursula von der Leyen, who is head of the uh, president of the EU, has been put under more pressure to resign um, in regards to what happened um, between, you know, transporting the vaccine out to Ireland and the agreement with Northern Ireland under the the Brexit terms, um, you know, that they were still supposed to be considered in the single market so that it would make, you know, trade a lot easier for Northern Ireland. Um, So, yes, it has been quite problematic this week for the EU and Northern Ireland as well. Definitely. And it all comes down to Article 16, which would have effectively imposed a border on the island of Ireland. Um, and undone, And uh, honestly, that phrase, a border on the island of Ireland, is yeah. it's too much for my mouth there. Um, but it would have disrupted years and years of hard work to not have a hard border. So, and then after lots of controversy, the bloc hastily U-turned after backlash from virtually all sides of British politics, as well as the Irish government, which is still an EU member. It, you know, it was very, very, it was, it was a very childish move, which has been 
I'm done. Um, and of course, the UK actually this morning, we have said that, well, I say we, the government has said that it would give spare doses of COVID vaccines to other countries once the UK hit its own targets, which I think is still a very contentious point. And we've got parts of Europe that have had to suspend vaccination drives because they have no vaccine to give. So I understand where Europe is coming from. And I understand where the UK is coming from. But of course, we aren't in the same block anymore. So it's a very tricky line to tread. It is a very tricky line to tread, absolutely. And, you know, to, to be fair to the um, the UK, I mean, we have actually, um, you know, commissioned 368 million doses um, for the, you know, vaccine, coronavirus vaccines. Yeah, so, we have. Yeah, we have. So, you know, that, that allows, should be allowed, you know, for, for us to receive all those things. You know, even though that, you know, so Pfizer, for example, is in the middle of Europe, isn't it? So. And I think that's where one of the sticking points is the Belgian plant of Pfizer that's been supplying the UK. I understand the European viewpoint that vaccines made in the EU should go to the EU first. But unfortunately, you know, this is where this is where we, we, we are at the moment. And, you know, of course, Moderna has been approved here with these other vaccines as well. In theory, things will start ticking along again. You know, I've. I've got a text from my mum saying she's got her vaccine appointment tomorrow and it's the AstraZeneca one, which is great news. Brilliant. Fantastic. Um, Fantastic news. She's not, that sounds really awful, doesn't it? But she's not old. She's not old, but she's in a high risk group. So in in the Southwest, they've already moved on to the one of the last stages of the government's plan, which is really exciting news, to be fair, really exciting. And I understand where Europe's coming from. The UK is powering ahead with the vaccine drive. We are one of the highest in the world per 100,000 people. Our rate is something like, no, I think it's no, I think it's 11 per 100 people now have been vaccinated or something. It's mad. Yeah, absolutely mad. We're doing really well, which is great. Um, And, you know, but of course, the government has said they are going to collaborate. And when we have vaccinated everyone then any spare vaccines hopefully will go to countries that maybe can't afford them and it'll be our 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 role in the world to help vaccinate those who can't afford it which would be quite exciting which i think is brilliant absolutely Mm. i do think it's brilliant and you know it's it's very far apart from the european union isn't it (laughs) yes and europe has ordered millions and millions of doses and they will arrive and i understand that it's 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 horrible to wait especially when deaths are are going up again in parts of europe and new cases um but you know, we will get through this and we do have to work together. And I, I, I totally understand, but it has just been a bit of a bit of a bonkers week, Ali, on this. I think this is behaviour we never thought we would see from any country in the world, really. But there we go, no. or any group of countries. But I will say, you know, that everybody is under pressure. And I do appreciate that, you know, I mean, nobody sort of signed up, did they, to to lead through a global pandemic. It's, it's very tricky for, you know, European mm. leaders and other leaders so especially you know i will have to say hats off to the uk at the moment because you know we seem to have um got the right amount of vaccines coming into the country and our vaccine rollout is exceptional it is exceptional well done to all the nhs workers who are who are doing this and of course putting themselves at risk to vaccinate people because it's not risk-free especially when people could have covid but not realize so thank you to all of them and again we're very lucky to have the nhs doing what it does best which is helping people absolutely Simple as that. definitely thank you nhs and in other news this week you probably would have seen around the world that it was um holocaust memorial day and this isn't just something that happened in the uk and europe it, it happened worldwide and we actually saw some quite beautiful scenes globally of um 
of remembrance. I don't think there's any other way of putting it. It, it was 76 years ago that Auschwitz was liberated. And it was a very powerful moment at, at 8pm, you know, in the UK this week. National landmarks turned purple, people lit candles in their windows. It was a very powerful reminder of what should never happen again. Absolutely. And I did actually light my candle at eight o'clock um, that evening uh, because, you know, obviously I've got a strong connection to um, Jewish people anyway. Um, so, yes, I mean, 76 years is, you know, quite phenomenal in a way, the fact that it's been a long time ago, but... Um, you know, to to remember it, and as you said, it, it this year was very much be the light in the darkness. I mean, there were eleven million people killed at the hands of the Nazis, and six million of those were Jews. Um, and but you know, they they weren't actually killed in the normal way as. Um, you mm. know, those other five million were out on the battlefield, so to speak. Um, it was, yeah, very... It was inhumane. It was. It was awful. It was It was awful. And, you know, as, you know, we've seen UK politicians say how important it is to remember what happened so they can never happen again. And we have in recent years in the UK seen certain waves of anti-Semitism come back. And Boris Johnson, you know, Keir Starmer, Nicola Sturgeon have all been very clear that it should not be tolerated. And they're absolutely right. And that moment at 8pm was very, very powerful. Yes. And as you said, Ali, a light in the darkness. And it wasn't just the UK, of course, it was around the world, but it made us all stop and think, and rightly so. Yes. Uh, and Prince Charles, Charles, rather, who is patron of the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust, told the ceremony that last generation of living witnesses is tragically passing from this world. So the task of bearing witness falls to us, which is Absolutely. very true. Um, mm. And also, you know, NHS staff took part as well, didn't they, on uh, Holocaust Memorial Day? Yes, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was beautiful. And, you know, Karen Pollock, who's the chief exec of the Holocaust Educational Trust, said that these survivors are perfect inspiration during the COVID-19 crisis. They are quite literally the epitome of strength, same as shielders who are getting on with it. And bearing in mind what these these people have experienced and suffered, those who lived through the Holocaust, they give words of wisdom just to keep going. So it, it, it was a really, really powerful moment. And you actually quite, quite lucky this week, weren't you, Ali? You managed to speak to someone very, very knowledgeable. Well, I spoke to a scholar, Rabbi Jonathan Romain, um, who actually belongs to Maidenhead Synagogue in um, the UK, but he's very well known. He's, he's a broadcaster as well. And uh, well, I mean, we spoke at length about the Holocaust and um, you will be able to hear this full interview at some point in time. But um, he highlighted that, you know, why should we still have to be remembering? Um, because shockingly, this is sort of behaviour is still going on around the world in different countries. And he also drew uh, a parallel with things that are going on in democracy within America. Mm. Well, I believe we've got a, a soundbite we can play, haven't we, from yes. your interview with um, Rabbi Jonathan. So let's, let's give that a listen now and then we will... Um, we will then move on to our next topic. But it's, you know, we think it's very important that everyone does get to hear what um, Jonathan Romain does have to say. So let's play that to you now. In a sense, it's terrible that we still have to remember. 
uh, not just because of what happened then, but because we haven't learned the lessons of what happened then. I mean, you know, that, there was that brave cry uttered in 1945 of never again. And yet it has, um, not, not to the Jews, but it has to other people and never again applied to other people. But a lot of people may sort of uh, um, be, be uh, amazed at sort of the antics of Donald Trump over the last four years. But what I found much more worrying than him, because he was a one-off, uh, was the people around him. And particularly the... Uh, many senators, um, who you would think are adults, uh, many senators, uh, responsible politicians, state re uh, representatives, who even after the riots that we had on the Capitol Hill still refused to uh, certify Joe Biden as the legitimate victor of the, um, of the election. And, you know, mobs are dangerous. Uh, but I think what's even more insidious is when elected officials disregard the legal processes, overturn the law, uh, and because once the law is disregarded, then human rights are the next to fall, and that's where the danger lies. And so moving on, this week there has been the UK is formally applying to join a huge free trade pact, which is including Australia, Canada, Japan, who is obviously one of the largest economies in the world, and Singapore under the government's post-Brexit plan. So International Trade Secretary Liz Truss will use a conversation with ministers in Japan and New Zealand to request membership of the Comprehensive and Progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership. I know that's quite a mouthful, isn't it, Harry? It, it is, but the acronym, I think, is even worse. The CPTPP. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting acronym, mm. um, but it is interesting. I mean, the move was announced on the on the anniversary of Britain's formal departure from the EU, um, and negotiations are due to start later this year if all goes to plan. The key thing about this is it joining the CPTPP. I can't can't stop saying it, Ali. It's great. No. Um, it, <laughs> it will cut tariffs and trading groups with the eleven members in the group, which also include Mexico and Vietnam. Um, this is worth. Well, according to the Department for International Trade, about £111 billion. Pounds. It's quite a big deal, actually. And it's almost surprising to see us join a new block after we've just left a block, you could almost say. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, it's but exciting. The, right, I'm going to have a go now. Let me have a go. Yeah, the CPTPP. <laughs> 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 Love it. <laughs> yeah, roll on, roll on. Right, the CPTPP, well, they um, actually, America was going to join, be part of this, but Donald Trump stopped them. Yes, I remember that, actually. <laughs> I do remember that. Interesting so, choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's wait and see if President Biden will retract that and decide to join them. Um, but the Department for International Trade said UK trade with the member countries last year was worth um, £111 billion. So it's not bad, mm. is it? Not bad not at bad. all, Harry. No, and you know, here in the UK, the Federation of Small Businesses said it would help firms thrive and succeed more than ever. Um, but of course, there are some critics to this. You know, Labour has said they're going to scrutinise any pact and called on the government to consult with the public to see if the public wants this. Um, but of course, 
the opportunities probably outweigh the negatives here, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. You know, it's a massive deal to be able to trade with these countries. You know, some of these countries oh, gosh, we go yeah. way back with. Think of the Commonwealth, you know, New Zealand, well, Australia's not in it, but New Zealand, Canada. It's it's very exciting. Yes. And it could well deliver new opportunities for UK businesses, which I think we desperately need at the moment in the midst of one of the worst recessions we've ever had. So, well, yeah, partly because of the pandemic. But I mean, Japan is in the top five strongest economies in the world, aren't they? So I mean, I wouldn't like to really hazard a guess who's at the top. It used to be America. But I, I would hazard a guess that it's probably China by now. Yes. And of course, there is a slight controversy is that China might be thinking of joining the CPTPP. And some critics have asked the government whether they would be allowed to veto this move if we joined before them. So there's some interesting anti-China sentiment going on, of course, due to the coronavirus. So we'll have to see how that plays yeah. out. But but nonetheless, it is exciting news and it does give some light to some businesses that have, have been struggling since we left the EU. You know, the red tape is unfortunately still there, but it is it is good news. And it's good news for all our, our world neighbours as well, because hopefully we can start working closely with some countries that we may have not worked so closely with since 1970-something. <laughs> Absolutely. Whenever. And I think, mm. you know, it's also, if you look back at history, it's very much moving on, isn't it? And I really think, you know, it, it's good to look to the future and and leave things behind that that were, you know, clearly left in the past. You know, for, for example, we weren't always allies with Japan, were we? We weren't. So, I mean, it, it it can only be a good thing. This is just it's like a trade trading group. It's not the same as the EU, but it is exciting. And which have actually said that ministers must endure, must endure? God, oh God, I hope we don't, I don't, I hope we don't have to endure it, must ensure that joining the CPTPP will bring clear consumer benefits and does not dilute standards. So that's some of the negatives there. But fingers crossed um, that this does work out. And I think a lot of businesses would appreciate some new trading partners and to help them survive the, the coming months and years, which will be tricky. Here, here. I think I, I'm all for it anyway. And as we always find ourselves doing, Ali, we're going to cross over the pond for some American news just for just for a couple of minutes. There's not a massive amount of news happening. Of course, American President Joe Biden has signed quite a few executive orders recently. For example, rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, rejoining the World Health Organization, which is which is good news for the world. It is good but news, definitely. The former president, who I'm not going to name because I really no. don't want to get into What's it, and his I don't name? think. I, uh, do you know what? He's, he's, he's history now. Is it Bugle? Um, <laughs> oh, let's is not, it let's Bugle? not mention. Is it Bugle? God. Um, let's just say the, the, the very tanned former president we had um, has um, actually lost his two um, defence lawyers in his Senate impeachment trial. Um, they've left his team after a little over a week before the trial's due to begin. Um, this is according to a person familiar with the matter. So CNN reported this first, actually. Yes. Uh, Butch Bowers and Deborah Barbier, two attorneys from South Carolina, no longer plan to represent Mr. Trump, the person said on Saturday. <gasps> I know. The decision was mutual, the person said, declining to give reason for the departures. So this is from CNN and the Wall Street Journal we're sourcing this from. Uh -huh. But it's all very interesting, Ali. It's like he's being left in a very difficult position, is this oh, former no. president. This former president has been in a, a difficult position and it's not just, you know, he's running out of fake tan, is it? Really? <laughs> um, I mean, yes, it, it, it is quite a sticky situation for him. Um, I mean, the, the Democratic-led House in January voted to impeach Mr. Trump for the second time. 
alleging he encouraged a mob to storm Congress to prevent lawmakers from certifying President Biden's election victory. However, when it was voted for the impeachment trial this week, um, 45 Mm. Republican senators were against saying that, you know, it wasn't actually a point of order anymore. Now, said president is no longer running in office. Yes, and I can see their point. However, the Democrats want to impeach said president so that he cannot run again in 2024, which I understand why they're doing that. So, you know, it, it is a bit of a great area. And the Democrats do have to convince 17 Republican senators to vote with them to impeach him in the, in the Senate trial, which, let's be honest here, is very, very unlikely. Mm. But he is the only president to be impeached twice during a term. So it is, he, has, he has racked up quite an impressive reputation, to be honest with you. And of course, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has argued that the former president deserves a full and fair process where he can mount a defence and the Senate can properly consider the factual, legal and constitutional questions at stake. So... My, my. He, my, my. What's going to happen? He'll probably, he probably will not be impeached on the Senate. It's very unlikely for that many Republicans to vote to do that. But um, it's it's a bit of a guessing game. I feel it like is. a lot of, we're saying that a lot at the moment. <laughs> it is a bit of a guessing game, I would think. You know, it, it really is. Um, however, as I said, there was only five Republican senators that voted for the impeachment. So I think the sort of writing is on the tin yeah, perhaps. But you, you, we actually, um, of course, in in lieu of last week's podcast, you actually spoke to quite an intelligent guy, didn't you, Ali? One of your one of your good can I say friends? I think friends. Yeah, yeah. Friends? No, is yeah. he? He's um, Professor Brian Frederick. He's a nice criminologist one. at the University of Portsmouth. So, I mean, he studies all of this, and obviously, he's American as well. Um, he's he's demo, uh, a Democrat, by the way. Not that it really... Must, no, yeah. but it's always good to declare, isn't it, in, in full impartiality. Yeah, in um, full impartiality. Um, but, you know, he did reckon that Mr. He Who Shall Not Be Named... <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing a really good job at this, aren't we? Yeah, um, he, sh- he who shall not be named. Goodness, it sounds like it, it's Harry Potter now. Um, oh, honestly. Yes, he he did actually say that, you know, he does think that he's got a few things coming his way anyway. Yeah, and we've actually got a sound clip, haven't we, from from your interview with him, which we can um we can play. Um so let's give that a quick listen. Um well I mean, you know, he should have been put behind bars on numerous occasions over the past four years, but he's had the presidency shielding him from that from that um that you know that level of prosecution. He's had numerous cases. He still has cases outstanding in New York State. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, 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 a prediction that New York State will get him and will put him behind bars in New York for federal for for, for, for New York taxes. And we must say that is entirely um, his own opinion there. Does not reflect us at Breakdown, but he, do, he does raise some good points, Ali. So that's why we played it out. Absolutely. I, I think, yes, he does raise some, some very interesting points. 
and we'll have to see what happens in in New York in the coming days, weeks, and months. But who knows? Who, who knows? knows? And now let's have some lighter news, Harry. So this must be yes. getting towards the end of our podcast. And great news. I'm really looking forward. I'm excited about this, actually, Harry. Okay. Um, nationwide star count to reveal lockdown's impact on light pollution. Um, so, you know, we will be looking at the, the effects on light pollution and the stars. Apparently, if you can see this, the stars shine brightly, then we have less polluted skies. That's the theory. Anyway, so from the 6th to the 14th of February, um, so starting at the end of the week, CPRE, the countryside charity, will call on people to count stars from their garden or window as part of its na annual na nationwide star count. So that'd be good. That'd be very exciting. I mean, I do feel for people in, in urban cities that, that have a lot of light pollution. But of course, this is mainly focusing on air pollution, isn't it? And general kind of, because light pollution, we, we might have changed a lot down actually. I, I guess it's quite an exciting idea, to be fair. I know that you know, where I live, the street lamps stay on basically all night. I'm not sure how, about you, Ali, but it's it's an exciting idea, to be fair. And oh no, it is about light pollution. I've just read further down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm losing oh, the now. It's been a long so podcast. So pleased that um, you're with the program. I'm Harry. so pleased. But anyway, basically, in short, um, the. Uh, the British Astronomical uh, God, British Astronomical Association's Commission for Dark Skies wants people to find indications of light pollution levels across the country. By counting the number of stars they see in the Orion constellation, citizen scientists will help map the best and worst places in England to enjoy a star-filled night sky. Okay, that's quite a cute idea, to be fair. So it is about light pollution. That would make yeah, sense. <laughs> yeah, it is about light pollution, but it's not just England. I mean, the whole of the UK are taking part in it, so can take part in it. So yeah. um, they'll also be compared, obviously, with 2020's findings gathered before coronavirus restrictions took hold. Goodness, isn't that a strange concept? Oh, God, it feels like <laughs> 10 years ago since we did, since we could actually go outside without a mask. Um, it's been a long been a long January, Ali, been a long January. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, it, they have said that light pollution means many people only experience a very limited view of a night sky, which I totally get. I, I mean, when I walk back to my car in London at half 10 at night, you cannot see a thing in the sky. It's very sad, actually. Um, but Crispin Truman, the chief exec of CPRE, said that a starry night sky is one of the most magical sights the countryside can offer. And I absolutely agree with that oh, statement yes. wholeheartedly. Yeah. Absolutely. Connecting us to the nature we all love and the wonders, wonders even, of the wider universe. It's, it's really, I think it's a really cute idea, to be fair. Yeah, I think it's a really, definitely. really lovely idea. Oh, I'm going to be out there doing some um, yeah. star, star spotting. So, star, yeah. Stargazing. Stargazing, even. Star counting. <laughs> I think we're losing the plot now. Got a lighter news section. What are we like in this section, honestly? We oh, lose gosh, the plot. I know, definitely. I know. But also supporting the star count is Go Stargazing, um, who are advocates of protecting our night skies it's quite exciting and the um neil sanders of ghost stargazing doesn't say his job role here so there's only one thing i like more than to look through my telescope and it's for other people to look through it mm. sorry i just had to, i had to pick up that statement i think it's brilliant his ambition is to encourage people's interest in astronomy by getting them involved in the practical side which is going outdoors and enjoying views of starry skies oh what brilliant what a brilliant story yeah. i think i'm gonna be out there That'd Definitely. Be great. Well, I want to know how many stars you've seen by this time next week, Harry. Yeah, let's just hope the Great British weather forecast doesn't um, 
ruin it. But there you go. Yeah, oh, sorry, I'm always I'm... negative, aren't I? It's lighter news. It'll be fine. Yeah, Perfect. we're star counting. Let's see if it's a match made in the heavens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew that joke was coming. I knew that was coming. It was involved on our on our rundown. Um, okay. Anyway, moving on from stars. Go on, Ali. Give us the gossip about Bridgerton. It's become well, a weekly segment. I've, I've seen um, Bridgerton. There's going to be a second series. And actually, in the society papers, for those... Bridgerton viewers, Lady Whistledown wrote, Dearest readers, the ton are above with the latest gossip. And so it is my honour to impart to you, Bridgerton shall officially return for a second season. I do you hope you have stored a bottle of ratafia for this most delightful occasion. So it was actually written, yours truly, I won't read the whole thing because uh, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not as enthralled as I am. But it's actually this, the author has been reliably informed that Lord Anthony Bridgerton intends to dominate the social season. Um, which is going to be will return in the spring of 2021. So you know that that has easily given 70 million people, um, you know, a lift really within the whole of the pandemic. I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. On a lighter note, if you want a coincidence, in Scotland, in Glasgow, there's actually a train station called Bridgeton. Um, so for any people who want to get some again, Brid- Bridgeton action, if you want a cheap day out, you can go to Bridgeton train station in Glasgow. Just to um, go completely bonkers at the end of Just our to podcast. To, to completely Bridgeton mad. Hey, <laughs> definitely. Absolutely. Does that wrap up what's turned into a, a very varied and global podcast this week, actually? Yeah, it has, definitely. I've um, really enjoyed it, Harry. We've had some uh, interesting topics to cover. We have, haven't we? And it's, you know, again, more positive. Lots of vaccines on the horizon, where, wherever you are in the world. Fingers crossed, it can only get better. I mean, if you want some really great news, Matt Hancock this morning on Look East Politics BBC programme said he hopes that we can have a normal British summer. Yes. How exciting. How that exciting. Is exciting. How they'll do that, I don't know. Maybe some closed borders, but I'd be happy just to be able to go to the pub without a face mask. Let's be like Guernsey. Let's just close our borders and just... I don't know that we'll be able to go that far, Harry, but certainly we'll Who be knows? going to the pub in the summer, I would say. I would say so. And on, on that note, again, all of our listeners, you can get in touch with us on social media at Breakdown with us on every major platform, basically. And you can also email us. Um, oh, I've forgotten our email, Ali. <laughs> Gosh, Breakdown at forthenow.co.uk. Did you do that on purpose, Harry Acton? I absolutely did, because we're doing our best to keep our shelves stocked. It's very difficult time. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I have to say I missed you last week but now I wonder uh, if I I, sh- I should have missed you did you speak too soon um, well on that <laughs> note before we go even more Dulali I'm going to sign off to all our lovely listeners we'll see yeah. you next week and Stay Ali safe. I'll speak to you take care very soon take bye. care bye bye <laughs>